Welcome to Working Smarter, presented by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is Zach Taylor. He is Senior Director of Cisco Context Center Business Unit, and uh, we are super excited to have Zach as part of this. We're, uh, we're definitely excited to work with the Calabrio partners that we spend so much time and energy with. It's really great to have you. Zach, welcome. And uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you do for Cisco and kind of how you got into this business. Like, tell me a little bit about the history of Zach and uh, how, you, how we got here today. Sure. And Dave, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you reaching out. Collaborator is a great partner. Thank you so much. Um, I guess the, the question is not how do I how did I get into this? How do I get out of this? Um, I have been doing <laughs> this for a long time. Um, and my basic role at Cisco is to describe our value proposition aggregately to our customers, our partners, and the analyst community. So I deal with a broad range of people. And I'm chartered with expressing what we do and what business outcomes we support through our customer engagement technologies, which is inclusive of what we do along with our partners. So it's, um, it's, it's a very fun job. Um, I've been doing it uh, here at Cisco since 2009. Uh, when I, I joke, when we arrived, we were fifth at a three-horse race in the contact center marketplace. And uh, after about six or seven years, we gained number one market share and uh, we were, were doing quite well. How did I get into this? Uh, walking through the halls at AT&T, the year is 1991. I was selling PBXs and phones and kind of voicemail. And it was, uh, you know, how interesting is that after a while? I run into a gentleman in the hallway his name was Eugene Matthews. Eugene was a uh, innovator, uh, has 50 patents, a uh, very interesting person. And he said, you know, I'm doing this work in this thing called call center. And it's a very interesting place. It's probably the most meaningful place in the, a business you can impact customers and what they do. Would you like to come along and learn about this? And uh, this gentleman poured into me and uh, and helped me understand the, 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 the importance of this, of this value uh, to customers. And I basically have spent um, since then doing it. And it, you know, is extraordinarily interesting market because, uh, and, and an area because it, 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 no two days are alike. So I really enjoy it. And, uh, and it never gets old. That's great. And so, you know, to, to peel back the curtain a little bit for our listeners, you know, we obviously have a prep session when we talk about this and Zach and I pretty quickly discovered that there's a pretty deep passion for music in what we're doing here today. You know, and ultimately our goal of the day is to talk about some of the things that are happening in our industry and in the context center, really get a good perspective from, from different areas. Uh, and what we thought we'd do is kind of theme it around music, right? And uh, so what's really interesting is we, we, we talked about a format here that could be, uh, could be great fun. And uh, what we want to do is we want to throw some facts at each other and see if we can figure out who we're talking about or what's going on, right? So it's almost like a little bit of a game show within a podcast here. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do the fun part and turn it back around. Um, so I'll throw you my first one. I'll okay. throw you you know what, what I think here. Um, this, this fact is pretty interesting. This was actually the final song that David Bowie played live on stage before he passed away. Do you have any idea what song I'm talking about? Uh, I... Yes, and it's quite sad. He was such a great, great performer, and he, he went too young, right, for sure. Uh, I have to believe it was Changes, uh, if possible. And that is correct. If it was, <laughs> um, pretty interesting background of that song, too. He played saxophone on that song. I don't know if you know that. He was a multi-instrumentalist, 
And uh, for a few Yes fans out there, Rick Wakeman, the, the keyboardist of Yes, was in the band, in the studio band that recorded that song at Trident Studios in London. So it's it's quite a song. But, well, thinking that, especially thinking about that, we got the word changes. Now, Dave, what changes are going on, in your opinion, in, in, in this world that Calabrio is addressing and I can share mine, but you know, what what are you what are you folks working on, and what what are the massive changes that you can help address? Well, I think we can stop pretending that the cloud is a fad. I think we can start there. Uh, you know, the the uh, the scalability, the ability to spin up a, a contact center in minutes rather than weeks uh, with a lot without a lot of equipment. That's that's definitely a huge part. You know, and Calabria really uh, takes the the. The position that we are the only true cloud WFO provider in in the industry, and I know that uh, Cisco has really made uh, some strong strides. Uh, that transformation is never easy, right? Going from like you mentioned back in 1991, the uh, the on-prem PBX piece. But uh, I'll throw the same question back to you: How is how is Cisco really approaching the the changes that uh, that have, the industry has kind of thrown at us? Well, there's two ways to look at change. Uh, one is that there's no new news. There's old news happening to new people. So, And there's also that there's new news. Uh, I would say that there are a lot of things that have historically occurred that are just happening in, in a new form factor called the cloud. Uh, that's the lift and shift model. We are not involved in that. We are doing new things in new ways, not old things in new ways. Um, as I joke, it's, this is not re-recording Elvis from a eight track to a cassette and a cassette to a DVD. You still got the same recording at the end of it. This is essentially doing new things. And what are those new things that we're looking at doing? Well, of course, the big operative words, Dave, in the industry are automation and customer engagement, right? One implies automation and self-serve and doing things for yourself, low cost. Um, there's much better form factors to do that these days. And then the second, of course, is enhancing live assist, making it more personal, making it more uh, relevant, making it a uh, a, a more, uh, I would call it, uh, collaborative and cognitive uh, interaction between the agent and the customer rather than an automatron, a robot. You know, that's being handled by software in silicon these days. And uh, the problems coming into the contact center that are left over are far more complicated and they're outliers, they're fractals, they're, they can't be automated. So the contact center is fundamentally an exception center. It does things in an exception basis anymore. It doesn't do those run rate things. Those are all sitting in IBAs, IVRs, self-service, um, outbound SMSs, you know, things that can be done cheaply, quickly, and the, and the like. So those are the changes we're, we're working on. That's pretty awesome. And, and I really like the way, you know, I've never really heard that approach of the, the contact center is an, accepts, an exception center, right? It's a, and if you look at it, you're right. It's the, the contact center exists because that's the only way that people can get the problem fixed that, that a robot can't fix for them or an automated system can't fix for them. And, you know, the, the, the new change that we've kind of seen is that all of the the only thing that contact centers are handling nowadays are the complicated things. And that kind of brings up some new things like agent stress and fatigue and little interesting things like that. But that's a really great way of looking at it. All right. So on to fact number two. Now you get to throw me this one and we'll see if I can figure out what song you're talking about. All right. Um, this song was done by a, a group that was considered at the, at the time and probably in history to have the best guitarist, the best bassist, the best drummer, and the best lead singer uh, in, the, in rock and roll happened to be all in the same band. And the original title of the album was almost called Lifehouse, but it was re retitled. And it was all about um, 
doing something that you do when you get in a car. And uh, the band itself uh, was a, was a, was one a part of the British invasion, so a little obscure there. But uh, when you get in a, when you get in any mode of transportation, what are you doing? So, yeah, you you know it, it, the the clues you've thrown me: best bassist, best guitarist, best singer, best drummer. You got to be talking about Pete Entwistle, Keith Moon. Yeah. Roger Daltrey and yeah. uh, Pete Townsend. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go with the Who on yeah. that. On that, uh, but I have to admit, I'm, I'm not super familiar with exactly what song. So well, you get you're gonna, you may have to enlighten me there. It's a B-side, believe it or not. Um, it's a B-side single. The A-side was Behind Blue Eyes, which people know, but the other side, the B-side, was Going Mobile. And uh, if you've ever heard that song, it's it's one of the few songs at that stage that that Roger Daltrey didn't sing lead on. He wasn't even in the studio when it was recorded. They, it was recorded as a power trio. So why did I why did why you know why are we talking about this? Because contact center agents are not only mobile but they are distributed. Right? As I joke, they the contact center or the call center is neither. It's neither calls nor centralized anymore. We think 80 to 90% of contact center agents still may be working at home. So the question is, you know, does the technology that you, the Calabria delivers reflect the distributed and mobile and at home nature of the agent and, and knowledge worker population that you can address through your solutions? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of things that uh, easy answers on that one. First of all, Calabrio started thinking about the cloud well ahead of many of the other players in our space. And to get to a point where you have cloud native software instead of a Frankenstein model between several different pieces, that's a that's not an easy ask. And so, you know, when we talk about going mobile or, you know, remote hybrid environments, the cloud plays a big part of that. The other big part that uh, if you've ever heard me on anything, talk about anything, you know, I'm a big fan. Uh, I was an agent myself back in the day. And so agent engagement is a really, really big part of this. So being able to take care of the agent while they're working from home or in a hybrid environment, being able to really take care of their work-life balance, uh, you know, really pay attention to it. That's a huge part of what Calabrio does to uh, to try and do that. And I know that based on what Cisco is going through, especially with WebEx Contact Center, the, the the different pieces there, you guys are looking at it very similarly as well. No doubt. Yeah. WebEx Contact Center is a classic distributed cloud contact center solution. It, it's, it's super buzzword compliant. You know, it was built rare. You know, one of the few things Cisco didn't acquire uh, in this space, it was built ground up microservices, you know, all the, all the, all the buzzwords you need there, but essentially. Can, can I say Kubernetes? Am I allowed to just say Kubernetes? I don't even really know what it means. It's just very buzzwordy. <laughs> you can say containers, Kubernetes, you can yeah. say it all. It, you can have the biggest word salad you want. And we probably check the boxes on all of them. Um, and in the model that we support is an agent can really log in from any device anywhere. Uh, we actually have one customer right now that, um, uh, has four, about 4,000 agents on the platform and they're in 90 countries and they're logging in from all over the place, uh, not just, you know, a heads down contact center agent. So, um, yeah, agents, like I used to say, Dave, service is no longer a place, right? It's what you do. Right. It's no longer a place. People used to say, oh, yeah, the contact center over there. See that room full of people with the 3270s and the headsets and the big clunky phones, you know, it's no longer that place. It's everywhere. Service is a paradigm.
My uh, my favorite bit of trivia about contact centers is no longer applicable. I would always tell people if you drove by a building and there seemed like there was an inordinate amount of cars parked in the parking lot, yeah. that, that was a contact center. And uh, you don't see those anymore. But I could always tell a contact center when I drove by it. It was like, yep, there's, there's a contact center in that building. That's interesting. You know, I grew up in a Rust Belt town in Ohio, Warren, Ohio. And after um, the all the steel mills closed, and uh, we had a bunch of retail stores in town. There was one brand at the time it was called Zares. You probably never heard of it, but I drove by there once coming back for a high school reunion, and the parking lot was full, just like you said. Like, what's going on there? And I looked, and I looked up, and the name of an outsourcer that we all would know yeah. was on the front of that, and they were hiring ex or, or laid off steel workers to be contact center agents in a Rust Belt town in Ohio. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But, yep. And so we'll see if we ever get back to that, but I doubt it. We're, the hybrid world seems to be here to stay. Um, all right. So it's my turn to throw one at you. Sure. Um, this, this one might be kind of easy, but you know, hey, we're not here to stump each other. Um, this was a song that the artist was paid $3 million for, which at the time was a record Mm-hmm. for kind of using a song in an ad campaign. Uh, do you know the song and the company that paid the artist? Gosh, I mean, there's so many uh, songs that have been used in ad campaigns. I remember the one, uh, there was a Coldplay song or it was a big thing for Mercedes or Audi or something. It was really striking. I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint. This was 1995. Oh, oh, oh. I think that's a super hint, right? Because yes. I, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Windows 95. You're talking about Start Me Up, right? That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> you know, I, I, you got a guitar back there. I got a several on the side here, don't we all? One of the things about that song that's really interesting is it's played in either open G or open A tuning. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really interesting riff because it sounds very complicated, but it's super easy to play. And it's such a cool riff. Let's make Keith Richards so innovative. He makes... You know, anybody who's good at something, Dave, makes hard things look easy. And when you see that, you're like, wow, look at that. And, and you look and it's just a, it's just an, it's a it's an open tuning. And, uh, you know, here we are talking contact center and keys out playing in front of 100,000 people. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So along those lines, uh, you know, first start me up using that as kind of the theme. You know, what what is what is Cisco doing to kind of get that startup process going right how do, how do they make things easy to kind of get things rolling well uh, let me let me talk a little bit maybe uh, less about technology than about processes right we feel very strongly about customer success as El Calabrio does um, very much so you're very dedicated to that so as part of our WebEx contact center you know practice we have developed a CSAM team a customer success organization run by a colleague of mine Arvind Iyer and it's really kind of a I call it not so secret sauce um, to help people get started up, done right. Because um, interesting enough, the product that the, uh, is coming, uh, the, the customers coming to the product are half brand new customers. They're not existing logos. So they're all new companies to us, which is rare for an incumbent. So we have this really kind of uh, focused team that's all about business process, helping people move from-prem to cloud. And I, I got to believe Calabria is going through the same thing as you transition your customers also too, right? Absolutely. And, you know, what I always tell people is that, you know, in this space, in this business, or even just software in general, right, you've always got your Coke and your Pepsi, you've got your RC Colas, you've got your, you know, uh, the the generic store brands and things like that. And they all at a very base level are the same thing. 
Um, what is it? Was it? What is it that kind of elevates that beyond what mm-hmm. the button does or what the lever does? And mm-hmm. that is the customer success organization. Whether we're talking about implementation, whether we're talking about the true customer success uh, part of you know post implementation, but yeah, it's it's all about making sure that that initial experience is positive. And sometimes that is getting the getting the contact center and WFO spun up in a very short amount of time to respond rapidly. You know, we saw a lot of that during COVID, right? A, a lot of the uh, a lot of the companies that or or the new business that sprung up as a result, a lot of state or and uh, you know federal organizations that needed answers quickly, right? We saw a lot of that coming through. But absolutely, it's really the 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 idea that we have to take care of the customer not just the software not just the product but the the actual personas that are part of the deal i have a question david kind of popped up as you were thinking you know wfo wfm wm the category right is a is a mature category although new things are happening right it's been around it's it's come together but are there companies that are getting into this for the first time, for the first time they've ever managed, you know, their resources? You know, a lot of this stuff has always been back of the back of the envelope stuff, Excel spreadsheets, you know, it, you know, but the companies that really do customer experience well go to sophisticated solutions like Calabrio to solve these problems. Are there more people entering the utilization of this software than before and are making the leap around, you know, kind of kludgy processes to do this kind of on the fly and, and doing the automation and some of the stuff you do? Yeah, there are, you know, the, the word more, I don't know if the ratio is, is increasing, but what we're seeing though is we're seeing more and more customers kind of discover the pain, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what our business is all about, right? As people grow, and they discover the pain of, wow, it was really easy when I had to run 10 schedules in Excel. But now that I have to run 100 schedules, that's painful. Uh, yeah. How do I communicate that information? How do I ensure quality? And, you know, the latest thing for us is kind of the uh, the voice analytics piece of things, right? Understanding the true customer experience, the voice of the customer, doing um, unsolicited data collection as opposed to solicited, like sending out surveys and, and you know, the, the old school method of collection. And that's really what's funny is, is seeing these customers kind of grow out of their waistlines a little bit. You know, their pants start to expand too much and they have to look for a better solution that can handle that growth. And that's mm. we're seeing quite a bit of that as well, like you are. So, all right. Your turn. Your turn. All right. Yes. All right. Let me give you. Let me try to be as obscure but as specific as possible. So I give you a chance here. Uh, This song was the highest charting song for this group, but for years they refused to play a concert because they felt like it was cheesy and not really what they ended up being like. Uh, As in many of this group's songs, the the lyrics are obscure and open to much interpretation from the listener of which there are various thoughts of what this song meant. And one of the primary uh, outcomes of people um, establishing what this song meant was that the band uh, hired a bunch of session musicians as a practice, and they wanted to get a hold of Rick Derringer, the great guitar player, and someone had misplaced his phone number. (laughs) <laughs> get a hold of Rick Derringer to play the lead solo on this song, which was eventually played by a guy named Skunk Baxter. And it's one of the great solos in rock and roll history. Did I give you enough to go on there? 
Well, yeah, you, you, I, I was, I was struggling, but you kind of walked me through the little pieces there. I think we're talking about Ricky. Don't lose that number yeah. by Steely Dan. I and it's funny. Yeah. 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 My, my fun fact on Steely Dan is the, that, uh, Chevy Chase was almost part of the band. He right. Was. I, I, I love yeah. that story. Yeah. They were Donald Fagan and Becker who were Steely Dan eventually down to the two went to Bard college in New York. And they had and Fagan was famous on campus for being in like 10 bands because he was so talented. And they had a band, I think, called the Leather Canary or something that 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 and they were all in the same um, artsy college. And Chevy Chase was the drummer in one of them. And, and Donald Fagan actually said that Chevy was a pretty good drummer, uh, which is interesting. So who knows? Yeah, it's a, it, the, the what ifs are really fun on that. Now, you mentioned number, right? right. So obviously, we got to tie this back to contact centers let's 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 even go old school and call them call centers right which right. you know we're probably not allowed to do anymore right we're not allowed to call them call centers but we still we still have such a large contingency of these centers that handle voice right so curious like do you do you kind of notice any metrics popping up now uh in in newer call centers that uh, that are that are a big player today well, there's two things going on, Dave. There's actually metrics that are going away and they're being mm -hmm. replaced or they're being subsumed, I would say. So the all the traditional metrics of contact center, which are still measured, and they are all go back to the Hawthorne Works, uh, Western Electric efficiency measurements. You know, remember the turn the lights off, turn the lights on with the workers in the 1890s and you measure the efficiency. Well, contact centers, right, 70% of running a contact center is tied up in a human, human capital. I mean, Calabrio exists to optimize that human capital and other things. Um, the idea that measuring people around outcomes like service level, handle time, maximum delay and things like are interesting um, and they're useful, right? But they're not material necessarily. There's low correlation between service level and customer experience. Um, uh, they're, they're, you know, highly uncorrelated between something like uh, a higher out order outcome like net promoter or customer effort score. So there's actually three, two, three or three metrics that are occurring. All the traditional metrics, Dave, are being subsumed into one first contact resolution. So you take all the five or six things you cared about in the past, abandons, delays and all that, and you put them in a pot and you, and you, and you boil it and you come up with first contact resolution is the operational metric that contact centers tend to be organizing themselves around on an operational level. Then on a business level. You know, a CX executive would look and say, are we getting recommendations? Are we getting willingness to recommend out of the contact center? And are we producing a low effort experience? And there's a battle in the minds of the marketplace, whether willingness to recommend comes from delight or ease of use. Um, that's the net promoter world or the customer effort score world, the Matt Dixon world. And, you know, they both sell books, right? So everybody's got their ideas, right? So that's, that's what's happening, right? But I, I, I have to believe that there's more more metrics or more interesting metrics that Calabrio can generate with all the tremendous amounts of data you capture, particularly cloud captures a ton of data. So what are some of the things you're seeing? It's really interesting because what I'm noticing is the industry standard piece of metrics is starting to go away, right? I'm noticing that as I talk to customers, both Calabrio and non-Calabrio, that like you said, nobody really cares about average speed of answer anymore. Nobody really spends forever t thinking of like what their service level should be, although it's still an important metric for a lot of uh, organizations. But what we're seeing is now that each, each individual 
customer is now defining the metric that matters the most to them. And what we're seeing too is that the capabilities of, for example, voice analytics, again, uh, they're enabling metrics. There are questions that are really, really detailed that we've never been able to answer before. So I have customers that I work with very closely that their metric is how many competitor mentions did we have yesterday and how many of those turned into a save, right? Or how many people, you know, what what phrases led to successful sales uh, in the sales organization, right? Those are things that you can't measure unless you're able to kind of encompass your entire organization's, the breadth of what everyone is saying within, you know, not just voice, but chats and emails and SMS and things like that. So that's what's really fun. We still hear a lot about net promoter score. We still hear a lot about first call resolution. Those are absolutely critical metrics. But we're even seeing going beyond, like, what's the first call resolution on calls that mention this specific keyword? Now we're really getting into the heart of what matters, and we're spinning it outside of the contact center organization. We now have marketing departments that actually care that the contact center exists. We have sales departments that actually really want to now look at the data besides what's in their CRM, right? That's what's really fun for, uh, for the organization that we're looking at. You know, uh, you, you made me think of something. I talked about this mentor of mine, Eugene, taught me this a uh, lot of stuff. And one of the things he talked about is that data becomes information, information becomes insight, insight becomes, I think, the, something else. And the last thing it becomes is wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Calabria is in the wisdom business. Basically, you create wisdom. You know, you gather information, but it ends up being some form of wisdom because information that's unapplied is, you know, Lots of rock and roll facts, right? My wife always said, you're a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a pile of a lot of information, but is there any wisdom there? So I have to find other avenues for wisdom. So I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess here that you love playing Trivial Pursuit. Uh, for certain categories, yes. Certain ones I'm bad. <laughs> as long as you land on the orange category, right? No, no geography. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we got a couple more left. Uh, here's here's one for you. Uh, okay. Let's see if we can let's see if we can figure this one out. Uh, we might have to explain what one of these terms mean uh, to our listening group here, but this was the first hit from an artist that released the number one album of 1976. Okay, which was consequently the year I was born. So uh, the um, but what it did, I don't know if you know where I'm going at this point, but what it what it did was it triggered a wave of people going out and buying a talk box. Now, I should explain what a talk box is. A talk box is a uh, it's essentially a pedal that is connected to your guitar and it has a tube that runs up to the mouth of the performer so they can speak into the tube and it translate it basically mixes the voice and the guitar together and it makes the guitar sound like it talks yeah. hence the name a talk box so with that with that information do you know what uh, what song we're talking about here well if it was earlier than 76 i would have said joe walsh because he made the talk box kind of popular with the song rocky mountain way but that was in 74 i think so the only thing i can not the only 76 was the year of Peter Frampton, right? He came out of nowhere. And, uh, and so it has to be, uh, it has to be something off of Frampton Comes Alive, which, you know, you were just being born. I was standing in line at a record store buying it. <laughs> give you an idea. Uh, multiple copies, double live albums. So it's got to be something off Frampton Comes Alive, Dave. So. It is not uh, Do You Feel. 
So right. I'll, I'll say that one. So which one are we talking about here? Well, it's got to be either. Well, the other ones off there were, were uh, all I want to be is by your side. And of course, show me the way is, is the, uh, the other one, you know, show me the way. That was one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar. And what I what I found interesting about Frampton Comes Alive is that he had recorded almost all those songs before in the studio. This was not new music, right? He yeah. just needed an album and he went out and they recorded him live. And he actually was a pretty spectacular live performer, more so in the studio. The other thing interesting about the, 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 the talk box, here's one for you. Do you know how he found out about a talk box? He... Peter Frampton was a phenom and he played on George Harrison's All Things Must Pass record in 1971. And he was in the studio and he pointed at that thing over there and said, what is that? And there was a gentleman, I can't remember his name, and said, that's a talk box or a squawk box. And so he got exposed to the squawk box recording a lead solo on one of George Harrison's post Beatles solo albums. So, so that's interesting. Well, okay. So show me the way, right? So how does Calabrio show customers the way to better manage their business? I mean, a vis- is it visualization? Is it new forms of insights, analytics? What are you doing that really you know points customers in the way they should go? Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that kind of customer success organization side of things, right? Whether we're talking about implementation, whether we're talking about, but, you know, that, that's the, uh, that's the professional services kind of side of the organization. But when we talk about the actual, the actual software, you know, it's, it's our job to, uh, to teach. But one of my favorite quotes, and I'm paraphrasing, is that um, any sufficiently advanced technology is akin to magic. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful not to show them the uh, the magic. Like if you were if you took a smartphone back to the medieval times, you'd be burned at the stake within hours, right? It, that's we have to be careful not to push them too far along that journey. So it's it's a lot it's it's about moving at the right pace with mm-hmm. the customer. Some of our customers are brand new coming into this just looking at let's say an Excel spreadsheet where they're tracking their QM scores and they're doing a diligent job of it. We don't want to be careful to like violently thrust them into QM uh, analytics field QM and have them just be okay, this is too much and then then you get shelfware. Right, you get things that you know. We you have to you have to very gently bring them along, so that that process of moving them along is such a huge part of what Calabrio does. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that Cisco kind of has the same the same approach with people. You know, we don't we can't throw them too advanced stuff too quickly, but we do want to get them there. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we're doing that's kind of akin to that is that um, we're looking for. One of the things we did last year, two years ago, we acquired a company called IMI Mobile, which now is known as WebEx Connect. And they do this wonderful uh, digital automation, customer engagement technology through SMS and up to 12 different digital channels. And it's all been integrated in WebEx Contact Center. That's, 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 That's the technology part. But what we've been doing with customers is identifying candidates for automation. And that's to show them the way, right? To say, how can we look? You know, contact centers have always been about a, a, a both, a either or rather than a both and. And what I mean by that is in, in the history of contact center, lowering costs meant lower lower service. It's it's either lower costs or lower, right? Not and better service. It's right. It's lower cost does, comes at the expense. Well, it's quite possible now to have a both and, which is lower costs and better service. And the way you do that is you automate what can be automated and you leave what's left over for humans 
you know, like Elon Musk said, when the Model 3 factory was almost, you know, didn't, didn't open and they all slept on the floor of the factory and he came out and he says, my robots are great, but humans are underrated. Um, and uh, that humans are underrated when it comes to these complex problems. So I, I think we were talking when we were planning for this, I had a, a situation with a financial instrument recently and it took me three months to do something that should really take in three days. And it literally was like 21 messages. I, I tracked this just because I wanted to talk about it. Like nine, <laughs> nine emails, 22 chats, you know, this and that. And at the end of it all, it took one 19 minute phone call with a human to fix it. And yeah. uh, I, I was trying to see how far it could go before I had to ask for a carbon-based unit, as Mr. Spock would say, <laughs> to help me solve this problem. So, you know, showing customers the way to provide better service, uh, lower cost and better service is really what we're trying to do, for sure. I would, I would, I, I've been on the soapbox for a long time, uh, but especially lately, that the most underlooked at uh, advance that contact centers can do is volume reduction, right? Mm -hmm. Not, not it's so few contact centers ever say, well, we, we can really get more efficient by taking fewer interactions and yeah. by, by introducing smarter tools that, that can handle some of the simpler interactions that that's a huge part. But what we're really doing is just like you said, we're freeing up the, the underrated humans to mm -hmm. uh, to handle those complicated issues, and unfortunately, that brings a pro you know just like every other contact center solution, it brings a new issue to the forefront, like uh, air, agent fatigue. And I th I think that actually translates really really great into our final uh, final discussion point here. So I think we have one more song that you were going to throw do, at me. I do, and I'm going to be I'm going to unfairly because I if you talked about your dob your date of birth, this is going to predate you. However, yeah, and and all apologies to our listeners that are under 30 years old. We have really we have really tapped into the uh, <laughs> the, the mid 20th no century at all this is the era of great music i had a friend in the music business who was a producer and a, a musician and he said they truly do not make music like they used to i can attest to that and they that's don't. truly the structure but all right i got one for you but i think it, it you know just like anything else you may know this you may not uh, but it leads to a really rich conversation um you may never have heard the name Terry Kirkman. Terry Kirkman wrote the second most downloaded song on Spotify of all time. It still is. And um, it, it, he was a, a member of a six-person a six vocal band that was very famous in the late 60s. It had about a string of five or six hits and um, was the initial artist. This is the best clue. And if you don't know this, and I've got none left for you. Um, <laughs> The Monterey Pop Festival was the big first outdoor rock concert in the United States. It predated Woodstock. They were the opening act and sang the opening five songs at the Monterey Pop Festival. So this group had the second most downloaded song of all time, and they're the opening act in the Monterey Pop Festival, and the writer's name was Terry Kirkman. Um, that's, that's what I got. Boy, you have you you have you have dug deep into the trenches of musical okay. trivia here, um, and I am going to say I think sounds like the association. Is it that, does. Yeah. All right, then it's got to be Cherish. It does. Yeah. It is. All right. All right. Yeah. You know, they, that's funny. The association, how they got to become there, they were a vocal group that was meeting in these these hootenannies in Los Angeles. Everybody went there in the mid '60s. They were in a 15 person band. Uh, called the men and one night nine the nine guys got mad and quit and the six guys were standing there and they said well 
what are we going to do? And one guy said, well, we got to rename our band. And the, and the girlfriend of one of the guys was sitting there and she took out the dictionary and she's thumbing through it and she says, let's call ourselves the aristocrats. And they said, nah. And then they said, how about the association? So it was one of those phone book kind of things. And they went on that. By the way, Cherish has been downloaded, I think, over 300 million times on Spotify. It, it's wow. a beautiful it's a beautiful ballad written by Terry Kirkman and uh, been redone by other artists. But by the way, to the point, what, what is that meaningful to our conversation? What does Calabria do to help customers, quote, cherish their agents? Cherish is a, an affinity. Agents, by the way, they are the difference makers. You can have all the bots you want, all the IBAs and great, that's good. But humans are the difference makers. So how do, what, what does Calabria do that helps businesses cherish those human resources that are so critical to customer experience in your estimation. Well, Zach, um, as you may know, and many people who know me, you know, my background has always been in WFM and Mm -hmm. workforce management has always been that, that to me, that beautiful balance between kind of math science and people, right? It's, it's, you know, how do we ultimately appropriately staff our contact center? But the equation has changed a little bit. And how do we staff our contact center and not make our agents hate us anymore? Right. And uh, I, I always laugh because there's a there's a great subreddit called uh, Tales from Call Centers that uh, where it's basically just agents complaining about their call center's job. And I'm, I always tell people, if you want to know what your agents really think about their job, go here and read what they have. And so to me, it's always been about balancing that work-life balance and making sure that, you know, the agents have the the ability to take time off, the ability to uh, kind of take care of the things they need in their personal life. And workforce management plays a huge part of that. But if we expand even beyond WFM and looking at the entire suite, you know, it's understanding the real problems that your agents are facing, right? It's, it's truly understanding that the either, whether it's abusive customers or just gathering the right knowledge to to make the process better if you continue to keep the arrow pointing up for the agent then uh, your contact center is going to be successful they're, they're really the engine that drives this and uh you know i'd i'd throw the same question back at you kind of what what does cisco do to kind of in, enhance that ability you mentioned the uh, acquisition from earlier that that tries to manage some of the the the, the self-service pieces but what else uh, does cisco have out there well, you know, the, the, what do they call the five deadly sins of customer service? Who are you? Why are you here? What were you doing before this? You know, uh, explain your relationship to me and make, make, make it hard for me to authenticate with you. The agent is on the back end of all of those if, if the business is not doing those properly. So what we try to do is reduce the, the uh, simplify and, and make much easier authenticate. Number two, provide the context of what the customer has done up to that point so the agent has a fighting chance and says, oh, Mr. Mr. Hoekstra, I see that you were on the website and you were trying to uh, buy uh, the association's greatest hits, by the way, which has sold 13 million copies and your, <laughs> your credit card was declined. I'm here to help you, right? Instead of them saying, what are you doing while you're here? So we're in the business of providing that friction, kind of frictionless or friction-free movement between automation, which we do well, and live assist, which we also do. So uh, it's, it's, it's really spanning those two worlds. Yeah. And helping 
people get better Absolutely. Service. Well, before we wrap up, I'll throw you my little fun fact that I just found about uh, Cherish from the association that I find yeah. fascinating. Um, apparently at the time, radio stations were very reluctant to play songs that were longer than three minutes long. Yes. So yeah. they, it originally was recorded at three minutes and 25 seconds. And so they actually sped it up and trimmed it to three minutes and 13 seconds, which still wasn't enough. So they actually lied on the, the liner that the song was three minutes long, even though it was actually three minutes and 13 seconds, just so that the, the, uh, you know, the, the station managers of the radio stations wouldn't, uh, double check it. <laughs> you know, it's not just like context. And remember that every call has to be three minutes or less. And I got to go because I have to do 13 calls in an hour. Well, that's what F- AM radio was like in the sixties. You need to, I mean, if you, look, if you think about it, look at the Beatles, you know, uh, I want to hold your hand was like a minute 57 or something. They've changed the world in two minutes. It's amazing. Yeah. So. It is amazing. It is amazing when you go back and you know the, a Beatles song comes on in your in your playlist and you and it's it's over like before you can even blink. And I'm sure just like you, uh, I, I watched the uh, Get Back the documentary uh, that was uh, on the Beatles, and it was it's amazing that that they were able to create that entire album in basically like three weeks and just mm-hmm. sitting there chatting with each other, and it was. Uh, amazing and i'm zach i'm sure we could go for hours here and we can make the world record in podcast length just talking about old music but uh this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation i really do appreciate not only your knowledge but your ability to kind of weave in and out of the the music conversation and uh we'll have to do this again because it was too much fun so i really do appreciate you coming by well, no problem. It's my pleasure. Thank you. It's an honor to be asked by one of our great partners to do this. Yeah, we only hit five or six songs. There's hundreds, right? But uh, uh, hundreds. It, yeah, the, the uh, thousands. The audience will be the, the the ultimate decider of whether we should do this again. But hopefully, everybody who tuned in enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed talking today. So thank you. Yeah, and uh, for the audience out there, sure, give us some feedback. Uh, info at Calabrio.com if you want to send us an email to tell us how you think or if you have ideas or suggestions or if there's anything we can help out with, uh, clearly you can go there. Uh, our, our great partner, Cisco, you know, you can go to Cisco.com. You get a little bit of a little bit of a, a bigger, bigger uh, navigation wheel to go through. But uh, yeah, absolutely. We're glad to help and everything. So from me uh, at Calabrio and for Zach at Cisco, uh, we want to thank Thank you guys for spending some time with us today. We really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Working Smarter podcast uh, for Calabrio. If there's anything we can do for you, please do not hesitate to let us know and we'll see you on the next episode. So thanks everybody. Take care and have a great rest of the day.